But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may complete, be complete, equipped for every good work. I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist to fulfill your ministry. Hi, everyone. Now, you're sitting in a cafe. Just imagine you're sitting back in a cafe with a really good friend who isn't a Christian. And this friend says to you, hey, um, you're a Christian, right? Uh, that means you read the Bible because Christians read the Bible. Uh, I'm interested in reading the Bible, but I'm a little bit nervous about it because I've heard that it's pretty hard to read the Bible. I wonder if you can tell me what's it like to read the Bible? Here's the question. What is the Bible like? Now, you have to answer in this uh, conversation. What would you say? Have a chat to uh, the person next to you or two or three people around you and just talk about what might you say in answer to this question. What's the Bible like? Go. Okay, well, I heard a bit of quiet there for a while, so I assume that means it's time to keep going. What do you reckon that uh, you would say to them? I suspect that many of us here would have given the, uh, the A-plus, super-duper orthodox answer. The Bible is fantastic. It's a wonderful book. It's full of wisdom and truth. It gives us life. You might even have said, actually, this is a stupid question because it's not really like any other book, is it, the Bible? The Bible is unique. There's no other book like it. What other book claims that it is the very word of God, that these words are God's words? And not only were they God's words written, just words on a page from a long time ago, but we've, we've heard in this series, these are living words because God speaks today by his spirit and changes people's minds and hearts. This is... This is a precious, this is a powerful, this is a unique book. There's nothing else like it. Now, you might have said that, or you might have been a little bit more honest. Because if we are honest, uh, probably most of us, even though we know that's true, we might be a bit hesitant just to uh, lay it on our friend and say, yeah, it's all easy, it's smooth sailing, no problems. Because we do find it hard, don't we, to read the Bible. Uh, let's face it, there, not many of us do a lot of reading these days, apart from uh, you know, texts and uh, short posts. And we like to watch videos. We like to watch, listen to lectures at double speed so that it doesn't have to take as long. Uh, that's what we don't like to have an extended time of deep thinking that reading has. And that means the Bible's pretty daunting. My new copy of my CSB Bible here, I checked it out before, and there are 1,313 pages. When was the last time you read a book with 1,313 pages? That's pretty long. 
Some bits are easy reading, like the stories of Jesus, but other bits can be hard going. You don't have to read long in the Bible before you get to the genealogies, the family trees of ancient people of Israel, and uh, detailed accounts of how to build the tabernacle, and uh, what animal sacrifices to offer, and how to do it, and how you've got to kill this, and what you've got to do with that, and long sections of poetry and laws for ancient people and apocalyptic visions and let's face it some bits are hard to read you might even say they're boring Uh, if you don't look at them carefully enough and think hard enough about them Uh, some bits are hard to understand some bits are hard to accept because they challenge us there is some pretty confronting parts of the bible And then we know, of course, that people criticise the Bible. They say it's full of contradictions. They say that it's been changed down the centuries. They say it's all just a matter of interpretation. There's so many different views about what the Bible says. How can anyone ever be sure of what it means? I wonder for a lot of people, the Bible feels just too hard or not worth the effort. And maybe that's been your experience as well. So what can we say in response? Well, tonight, we're not going to be able to uh, tackle all of those issues that I just mentioned, but I will touch on some of them along the way, and afterwards, we're going to hear from James, and he's going to uh, fix up, fill in all the holes in this sermon with uh, some tips for us on how to tackle tricky passages in the Bible, and uh, I hope that you'll find that really helpful, because we want to equip you to read your Bible. Uh, But what I want to do tonight with this talk is to try and boost your confidence in the Bible. I want to uh, try and encourage you not to be scared to read the Bible uh, and especially not to think that just because I don't understand some bits of it or some bits are hard and foreign and far away from me and my life, that means that I should just throw out the whole thing. I want to give you confidence to read the Bible. And to do that, what I want to do tonight is look at four things that the Bible says about itself. Four things that give us confidence to actually open the Bible on our devices or hard copy like me and uh, hear God speak. So here they are. Number one, the Bible is clear. These are four things that down the centuries, theologians from reading their Bibles have seen that the Bible teaches about itself and what it's like. What does it mean that the Bible is clear? Well, it means that its meaning is accessible to all who come to it in faith. Its meaning is accessible. God is good, and God actually wants us to know him, and he wants us to respond rightly to him, and so he has given us a clear communication. It's not fuzzy or hidden in darkness or encrypted with some secret code, it's clear to anyone who wants to come and know God. Let me just show you a couple of verses from the Bible that uh, kind of assume this and pick this up. This is Moses speaking to the people of Israel. Uh, God's given him the laws which he's passed on to Israel. And he says, this command I give you today is not too difficult or beyond your reach. He's talking to the ordinary people of Israel. You don't have to go up to heaven to find it. You don't have to go across the sea to find it. What does he say? See the bold bit? The message is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, 
so that you may follow it. It's not hard. It's clear. I've told you what it is. You can know it. When we come to the New Testament, Jesus often asked this question, especially of the the people whose job it was to know the Bible. Uh, He said, uh, haven't you read what was spoken to you by God? Haven't you heard? You see the assumption that Jesus is making? You should be able to know what God said because he said it clearly and it's accessible to you. The Bible expects that ordinary people can read it and know it and be guided by it. But you say, well, what about those bits that are hard to understand? Well, the Bible itself acknowledges that there are some bits that are more hard, that are harder to understand than other bits. If you think that, you're in good company. Look what the Apostle Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 3. He's, he writes about our dear brother Paul. Uh, and he speaks uh, to you according to the wisdom given to him by God. He speaks about these things in all his letters. There are some things hard to understand in them. And the untaught and unstable will twist them to their own destruction as they do with the rest of the scriptures. Paul wrote things that Peter said were hard to understand. So you're in good company if you find some bits that are hard to understand. Well, why are they hard to understand? Well, sometimes the problem is with us. In fact, often and normally it is with us. Sometimes it's like me. If I uh, take my glasses off and I look out at you, I can recognise some of you, but especially down the back, you're looking pretty blurry. You're not very clear because I'm not looking through the right lens. When I put that on, I can see you. Beautiful. And sometimes it's like that with God, that we don't look at the Bible through the right lens and so it doesn't make much sense to us. Sometimes the problem is in our hearts because the Bible says something to us that is very clear. It's just that we don't like it. We find it hard to accept. And uh, perhaps others don't like it either. And so there are some people who will get these hard passages and twist them and distort them as they do with the rest of the scriptures. And so suddenly we're confused because different people are saying different things and we're saying, well, what should I believe? But the Bible itself may be crystal clear. It's just that we humans have made it confusing because we don't like what it says. Sometimes it uh, is hard because it's talking about things so deep and profound that we just can't get our heads around them. We read in Isaiah that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Uh, We don't know all the ways of God. We don't fully understand the eternal God, all-powerful, all-knowing, and all of the things about him. He is bigger than we can comprehend. Why do we think that we would understand everything about God? It's a bit arrogant, isn't it, to think that? There are going to be things in the Bible about God that we're going to find hard to understand. And that's because we're limited. Don't let you think, don't think that the Bible's not clear. It's clear in everything that it says. The problem is that we are not clear. We're limited or we're hard-hearted or we're confused or we're looking through the wrong lens or whatever. And one more thing we can say here, that overall the message of the Bible is crystal clear. The main message. Yes, along the way of the Bible story, there are tricky bits that we go, what on earth is that about? 
But the main message is very clear. God is God. We are not. We rebel against God, all of us. We deserve his judgment. God sent his son out of his love for us into the world and he was rejected and he was raised up on the cross and, uh, and died the death that we deserve. And then God raised him from the dead to rule the world forever. And now he calls on all of us, every person, man, woman and child in the whole world, to turn to Jesus and to live with him as our king. And when we do, we'll be forgiven. We'll receive his Holy Spirit and have eternal life. When he returns and the judgment day comes, we will be saved. These gospel truths are crystal clear. And so we need have no doubt that the Bible is not clear and accessible to anyone who comes in faith wanting to know God. It's for everyone, everywhere, through all time. Here's a famous quote from a guy who lived a long time ago, Gregory the Great. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of him. I don't think I'd ever heard of him until this week. Uh, And he, he said a famous thing. The Bible is, as it were, a river, both shallow and deep, in which both the lamb may find a footing and the elephant swim. And this is what the Bible is like, isn't it? Little children can understand it. They can see Jesus and know that he's good and trust him and be saved. But the, the greatest minds can spend their whole life plumbing the depths of a part of the Bible and, uh, and writing great big fat books and volumes of books on it. Uh, and uh, both at the same time can come to the same word and know the same God. Because the Bible is clear. This is what the Bible is like. We can have confidence in it as we come to it. The second thing to say tonight is that the Bible is true. Now, I know the word true, if you're a philosophically minded person, you might say, well, the word true is a tricky word to tie down. But what theologians do is they use uh, two words to uh, kind of expand on this. The first is that the Bible is infallible. That means that it won't fail. Uh, God has caused this to be written for a purpose and that purpose will not let you down. The purpose is, we're going to hear more on this next week as James talks about what the Bible is for, but it's so that we might know God and be saved and have life so that we might know how to live as his people. The second thing is that the Bible is inerrant, which means that it's without error. It means there's no mistakes in the Bible. It won't let you down, it won't deceive you or lead you astray. Now, we have very good timing tonight on this whole issue of inerrancy of the Bible. Our very own student minister here, Matt, told me after this morning that he's currently writing a massive essay at Moore College on the doctrine of the inerrancy of Scripture. So go and ask Matt all your questions afterwards and he'll give you the very latest uh, scholarly thoughts on it. But let me give you two quick verses from the Bible. Jesus said, the scripture cannot be broken. The scripture is true. It stands forever. Nothing that God has said in scripture will ever cease to be true. Second thing, when he was on trial before Pontius Pilate, Jesus, the word become flesh, he said, he came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Okay, 
The Bible is true. But what about those apparent errors and contradictions that people point out? Well, let me just uh, try and touch on a few of these for you. Uh, The first is that just because we don't see how it's all true now doesn't mean that it isn't. Sometimes over time, even in this world, things come to light that establish something as true that previously people thought there was a problem. It happens kind of on the, the worldwide academic scale, but also in our own personal lives. Sometimes you can open up a passage and go, I don't understand that at all. But as you read more of the Bible, as you come to know God better and see how different parts fit together and how the whole story flows, then later on, something will be, oh, now I get that. Just because you don't understand something right now doesn't mean that it's false. And it's the same on the the wider scale. Let me tell you the story of this fellow here, Belshazzar. He comes from Daniel chapter 5. Belshazzar was the guy who was giving a a party and then all of a sudden there was a hand writing on the wall. That's where we get the uh, phrase from, the writings on the wall. Because the writing said, your kingdom's going to fall tonight. And uh, at the beginning of the 1800s, there were lots of critics of the Bible who said, look, we don't know of any guy called Belshazzar from the uh, ancient records of, of Babylonia. Uh, the Bible is wrong because it says that Belshazzar was the ruler when the kingdom fell. But in actual fact, at the time when the kingdom fell, there was another guy called Nabonidus. He was the king at that time. You see, the Bible's got it wrong. There are errors. But then in 1854, they found this ancient cylinder Uh, the Nabonidus Cylinder, and it actually mentions the name Belshazzar. And it describes him as the eldest son, my offspring. Here is the heir to the throne. Here is the crown prince of Babylon. And then a few years later, they uh, published the translation of this uh, inscription on an old stone, uh, the Nabonidus Chronicle. Uh, And it says there that uh, while he was away, The crown prince ruled, including when Babylon fell. And so what was previously thought to be an error was actually subsequently proved from other uh, sources to actually be true. Nabonidus was away, but while he was away, he appointed Belshazzar to be in charge of the kingdom. And one night when he was in charge of the kingdom is the very night that it fell. You see, if you jump to the conclusion that the Bible's not true, Uh, you would have been um, then proved wrong over time as more facts come to light. And there's a lot of examples like this. The Bible is true. Another problem that we have is sometimes we can expect a level of precision that uh, people in the Old Testament, and to be honest, people today, don't have. Uh, On the day of Pentecost, when God poured out the Holy Spirit, Peter preached and 3,000 people became Christians, we're told in Acts chapter 2. Now, was there exactly 3,000 people? What happens if someone proved that there was only 2,953 people? Would we say, ha, the Bible's wrong. There's not 3,000, there's only 2,953. Well, some people might. If you're looking for errors in the Bible, let me tell you, you can find them. I don't know if there's any other evidence that only 2,953 people, but if that was the case... It's a round number, isn't it? That's how people talk. Just the fact that there's not exactly 3,000 doesn't mean that the Bible is in error. 
it means that the Bible is effective and, uh, and clear in its communication because these are people talking about what happened at that time from their perspective. One more example. People say there are contradictions in the Bible between, say, eyewitnesses. You know, one gospel says Jesus healed a man going into Jericho and another one says he healed a man coming out of Jericho. Which one is right? You see, there's a contradiction, people might say. Well, maybe there's two healings. Maybe Jesus healed someone on the way in and the way out. And one person remembered and recorded one and the other person remembered and recorded the other. We don't have to conclude that there is a contradiction when we see things like this. It's just simple eyewitness testimony. Different people saw different things, recorded different things according to what they thought was important for us to know. You see, this side of heaven, we don't know exactly what went on. Uh, we, uh, but we do know how eyewitness testimonies work. We do know how people use language and make estimates. We do know that over time, more facts can come to a light that explain something that we don't see at first. It's not unreasonable to trust that the Bible is true. If you want to know God and you want to know the truth, the Bible won't lead you astray. You can have confidence in it. It won't lead you astray. It won't deceive you. Uh, And so as you come to the Bible, don't start with the assumption, oh, there's lots of errors and mistakes here. I can't trust this book. If you come like that, you'll find all kinds of reasons not to trust it. Come with the starting point that God is good. He communicates truth. He is the God who never lies. He is the God who is trustworthy. He is the God who speaks the truth and is more than capable of recording and preserving the truth for us today. Infallible and inerrant. It is true. And let me say... Asking questions of the Bible, what what about this difference, is not a wrong thing to do. You see, it's not as though I'm saying, don't come and ask questions, that's bad because it's showing some lack of faith. Questions are good. In fact, questions are really good because as you ask questions, it means you'll think a lot harder about and look a lot more carefully and think through, well, what the, how could this work? Where have I gone wrong? What has someone else said? and you'll deepen your understanding and you'll benefit a lot more from your reading of the Bible. The the more you look, the more you'll see. Next one. The last two are much quicker than the first two. Sufficient. That means the the Bible is all that we need to know God. Not that God has been stingy and said, I'm only giving you that much and no more. You have to hand up, have this book, there's all this hard stuff in it. No, uh, God is generous and he's given us all that we need. He's given every person in the world through all time and in every place what they need for their situation. That's amazing. And it's not saying that the Bible answers every question that we have. It won't help you with your calculus exam. It won't talk about that. But it is sufficient to lead to salvation and to equip us for every good work. Here are two verses for you. The first one is uh, from the story that Jesus told of the rich man and Lazarus. There was a rich man who ignored God all his life and therefore he ignored Lazarus, this poor beggar who sat at his door every day. They both died 
And uh, Lazarus ended up in heaven at the side of Abraham. And the rich man ended up in hell. And the rich man is pleading with Abraham. And you see in the first line, he says, Father Abraham, I beg you to send him, Lazarus, to my father's house because I've got five brothers and, to, and I want you to send him to warn them so they won't also come to this place of torment. Send back Lazarus so they won't end up where I am. But Abraham said, hey, they've got Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. It's kind of uh, looking ahead, isn't it, to one who will be raised from the dead. Uh, but he told them, uh, Abraham said to uh, the rich man, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. They have all they need. God has spoken to them very clearly about the need for them to, to love him and love their neighbour. But they didn't listen. Their hearts were hard. It wasn't a lack of information. It wasn't that it was unclear. It wasn't that it wasn't true. It wasn't that it was insufficient. They had it all. But even if someone raised from the dead, they still wouldn't believe. You see, God has given us all that we need. Or this one from our reading before. Uh, Timothy uh, has the, the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ. Do you want to know God and be saved? Well, you can because he's given you all that you need in the Bible which focuses on Jesus Christ and what he's done so that we can be saved from God's wrath. You can know him. Uh, and if you want to go about doing ministry like Timothy was called to do, uh, notice that at the bottom there that this all scripture is inspired by God, all scripture, not just some of it, the hard bits, the weird bits, the bits that we find difficult, all scripture is inspired by God, is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so the man of God may be complete, not just partial, but complete, equipped for every good work. He's saying, Timothy, you don't need anything else. You've got all you need in the scriptures. And this is really important because it means that we don't need any priest or scholar or guru of some kind to tell us uh, what God is like or what he has done or what we should do. Yes, teachers of different kinds can be helpful. I hope that's the case, otherwise uh, I might be out of a job. But in the end, the Bible is enough. That's why we encourage you to have Bibles open in front of you. I don't see a lot of Bibles open in front of you. Uh, but it's really important because I'm not God. I'm not the authority in your life. God is the authority and he speaks to you and he rules this church, including me and you, by this word. You need to check up on what I'm saying. And you can because you have the access to exactly the same Bible that's clear and true and sufficient that I do. And that's really important. Really important. The Bible makes you complete, equipped for every good work. Have confidence in the word that God has given you. The last one, very quickly. The Bible is effective. It always achieves God's purpose. When I speak, sometimes I can make things happen. If I go to the ice cream shop, 
especially if I hand over money, I can say, please give me a macadamia ice cream. That's what I always order. And guess what? They do. But if I go in there and say, please give me a new Ferrari, it's not going to happen. They're not going to give that to me. Uh, You see, God, though, is different. He doesn't ask for stupid things like that. But whatever God says, it happens. That's what it means that his word is effective. When he created the world, he said, let there be light. And the whole cosmos was filled with light. He brought everything into existence out of nothing just by speaking. That's how powerful his word is. He made promises to Abraham and the rest of the Bible. And still today, those promises are being kept and setting the direction for all of history. Jesus came speaking the word of God and he spoke a word and the storm was calmed. The the sick were healed, the dead were raised. The apostle Peter spoke the word of God on the day of Pentecost and 2,953 people were saved or thereabouts. We don't know. You see, the word of God is effective. That's what we read in Isaiah Just like the rain comes down and waters the ground and seeds germinate, providing uh, food to eat, so my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, says God, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. God's word always does what he wants it to do. It's effective. But it's time to sum up. What have we seen? The Bible is clear. It's accessible to all who come in faith. It's true. It won't fail you. It won't let you down. It won't deceive you in any way. It's sufficient. It's all that we need to know. You don't need to have some other authority. The Bible is enough. And it's effective. It's incredibly powerful because it always achieves what God has in mind for it. And so the bottom line tonight is have confidence in this book. Have confidence to open it, to listen to it, to read it, to take it in in whatever way you can. Because this is, these are the words of life. You can know God through this book. You can know Jesus through this book. You can respond rightly to him and know that you'll have eternal life by trusting and obeying what you read in this book. Have confidence and have confidence to encourage others to look at it. God is good. His words are good. And when you think about it, isn't it amazing that God has given us one book for all people in all places at all times? One book for creative artists and ex-accountants like me and engineers and people like that. One book that speaks to to everyone. One book for the, the rich, which also speaks to the poor. One book for the really highly educated as well as the illiterate. One book for people in China or England or Russia or Chile or uh, wherever it might be in the world. God speaks to it. One book for the Christians who are persecuted. They can find out what they need to know from God as well as those who are comfortable and we can get a kick in the pants as we read it. One book that God has given for all people in all places and every kind of person. Isn't God amazing that he has spoken and he has given us a clear, a true, a sufficient and a powerfully effective word? That's what the Bible is like.
Let me lead us in prayer. Lord, thanks so much for this wonderful book that you have given to us. Lord, you have spoken at many times and in various ways to the forefathers through the prophets. And in these last days, you've spoken to us by your son. Lord, we thank you that you have caused your words to be written down, that you've preserved them for us. And so that even today, here in Janali in 2023, we can hear your voice. Lord, we thank you that your word is clear. We thank you that it is true. We thank you that it is sufficient. We thank you that it is uh, effective and powerful. Help us to have confidence about this, Lord, so that we will open it and hear it each day and we'll bring it to our friends and family and the world around us so that your word may do its work in the world. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.